great things. <laughs> Having a good week. Good life. Amen. You know, God's plan is that you would be increased and prospered, not harmed. Jeremiah 29, 11. That you would be connected to the hope of your future. There's a hope and a future. And uh, so often what we end up struggling with and, and constantly being barraged with in our mind is the stuff that has occurred in the past. If the enemy can, he'll remind you of every mistake you've ever made. He'll show you every blunder, every misstep, every error you've ever performed. And he puts it in front of you. And how many of you realize that, that God's not holding your past above your head? Trying to, trying to beat you up with it. He's trying to hold your future in front of you to draw you into it. God isn't against you. He's for you. And the fact of the matter is God knows all about your mistakes, but the blood has been applied and it didn't cover it. It washed it away. If you're born again, you are set free from the power of your past. Man. And it, it takes an act of boldness and courage and faith to step up and step into that liberty and into that freedom and experience the God life that you've been connected to. John 10, 10 has been mentioned a couple of times this weekend already. Jesus said, I have come that you might have and enjoy abundant life. Life in abundance to the top till it overflows. Life in abundance, that God life that, that he came to connect you to. Man, it, I tell you what, there's a lot of people that have never really connected to the God life. We think that eternal life is for right after we die. Eternal life, don't wait till you're dead to experience eternal life. Eternal life starts now. Hello, it's, that's the God life and it starts now. That's Zoe. That starts the day you get born again, you get the right and the ability to experience God life in you. Hello, somebody. And when you got that God life, the very same stuff that used to cause you to stumble, now you, you're soaring over that. You're walking on top of that. that. The mountain of circumstances that the enemy has held against you, all of a sudden that just elevates you to where you can see from a different perspective because God's life is in you. Remember Isaiah, he said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Man, you get a different viewpoint from up on top, right? I said, you get a different viewpoint when you're on top of the stuff, when you're under the weight of it and it feels like it's crushing you and it's all you can think about. Well, God's trying to pull his people out from underneath all that pressure and put you back up on top where you need to be. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to the top. Amen. Isaiah chapter six. We'll put this on the screen for you. Isaiah chapter 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the skirts of his train filled the temple. And, and remember, Uzziah uh, died, and Isaiah's having this vision, and he says, Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, uh, with two each covered his own face, and with two each covered his feet, and with two each he did fly. And just remember, we've talked about this in the past, but there's there's... Twice as much adoration as there is active service. And I think it's interesting that a lot of times that when we get into the presence of God, we'd rather have a job to do than to just stop and move into a spirit of worship and to adore him. We get a little bit nervous in the presence of God. A lot of people hide. Remember Adam and Eve, here comes God walking in the garden and they tried to, to, to conceal themselves rather than to confess their fault. And we, you know, sometimes we've got to be ready to just open ourselves up and allow God to do something on the inside of us that can change us for eternity. Instead of hiding, we, we need to get as open as we can in the presence of God. Somebody say amen. amen. And 
uh, one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. How do you know he's a holy God? Amen. Everything about him is holy. And that word holy, that means other than, right? Totally separate, other than. He, his love is a holy love. His wisdom is a holy wisdom. His presence is a holy, he's a holy God, right? And, and the, these, the, these angels in heaven this morning, you know, all they're singing is holy, holy, holy. And here we are, we're, we have the right to join them. But Isaiah, he made this statement. He said, I, he couldn't even open his mouth. Look at the next verse. The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who cried. The house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah made this statement. He said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. I am a man of unclean lips. He said, I can't even, I can't even say holy in his presence. He recognized in his presence that his imperfection. So you and I are compatible with God, but we ain't comparable. God is on the throne. He's totally holy. He's other than we are. And in his presence, you know, uh, here's a guy, Isaiah. Isaiah was golden, man. He, this dude was, he was righteous living. He was, he, he was right in the sight of God, but yet in the presence of God, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I can't even open my mouth and join the angel singing holy because I see my condition. He was undone. Look at that. He said, woe is me for I am undone. Spurgeon made this statement long time ago. He said, before any man can be used of God, he must first be undone by God. And you and I need to come to a realization that what we have got to do is allow ourselves to be undone. We, we, we got to be taken down off that throne. Remember in the year King Uzziah died, we saw God lifted up. Prior to that, all we saw was King Uzziah. You go back and you read and you find out that King Uzziah, he was, a, he, he was a pretty blessed individual, but when he became strong, his strength became his destruction. He, he began to operate in his strength and he no longer needed God. And you know, when we really look at our lives and at our situation, many times we've done that same thing. We put ourselves on the throne. We live life every day without God's involvement. Here we are, we have the opportunity to be connected with and involved with the creator of the universe, but we're going to go about our day without his involvement as if we don't need it. Hello, somebody. There, there are some things uh, in the next few weeks that we're going to be talking about that we need, uh, as a people of God, that we need to repent from. And I realize that, you know, a word, you know, that word in church, repent, we probably shouldn't use that word too much. You know, it's like one of the dirty words because we're supposed to be, you know, just everything's cool. And no matter how you live, as long as you pray to sinner's prayer, everything's cool. I got news for you. There's some stuff we need to repent from that will enable us, empower us to see a greater manifestation of God's presence. And in return, you know, the greater his presence, the, 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 the more uh, freedom there is for his glory to show itself. Right? See, you understand the difference between the presence and the glory. The presence is when he comes in. The glory is the full weight manifestation of the true divine nature of any given thing. So the glory of God, when that shows up, now you got in your hand proof that God's been there. See, I, I, you got to hear me here, uh, that God's presence, he's always here. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. But his glory is proof that he's been there. And what our city needs, what your family needs, what your coworkers need, they need somebody who got a little bit more than a T-shirt and a bumper sticker, right? They, they need somebody who can, who can demonstrate some proof God is real in my world. Amen. Come on, guys. 
Man, you know, we, we're hungry. We're, we're a society that's looking for some reality. We're, we're in, in the middle of, of chaos and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, but, you, you, you know, it's pretty sad that the only time we really ask God for his involvement in our life is when the yogurt's so thick we can hardly move. You know, when we're in, in dire straits, now we're calling on God. And we use scriptures like, you know, in the Psalms where David said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. Yeah, but there's 149 other Psalms where he wasn't in deep yogurt and he was still talking to God. You you don't have to be in so much trouble that God's the only hope left. Y'all looking at me like we're making a tape for somebody who isn't here. Now I'm talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're going to pray because we're sick or because finances are, or, or, you know, your prayer life is motivated because gas is so high. Well, wait a minute. What about God's ability to direct your steps on a good day? To take you from good to gooder? To just make life better? Come on, guys. You don't have to be in trouble before you cry out to God. But we got to remember that just like Adam and Eve, when the presence of God came in and, and they withdrew because there was something in their life that was causing them to think that they were in trouble. And I, I got to tell you that it is human nature rather than to confront my issue. I'd rather hide it. I'd rather, I'd rather step back and into the shadows than to step out into the spotlight. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, hi, I'm on my own throne. But the fact of the matter is, is every day we live as if we're on our own throne. John the Revelator said, I, 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 be, I beheld heaven and the gates to heaven were open. How many know that'll preach? Heaven's open right now. Hey, you guys like Krispy Kremes? Have you ever been driving down the highway and you're telling yourself, yeah, I know that this is how I, this is my world, okay? Just being transparent. I'm driving down the street, we're in Spokane or Issaquah, and you know that the, the, you know the, the, you know the store's coming. And you're telling yourself, I'm just going to keep right on driving. And then you look over and it says, hot now. The car's got a mind of its own. It's going in the driveway. That. That's, that's what John the Revelator said. I, he said, I saw heaven and the hot now sign was on. Man, not only is it open, but they're putting out some product. And there was one, and there was a throne, a throne, a throne, not, not multiple thrones, a throne. And one was seated upon that throne. And in the, in, in the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl, there is a throne. Not multiple thrones, a throne. And one is seated upon that throne. And if we get a real good look at who's on that throne, who are we going to find there? Now, we say we're believers. We say we're disciples. We say we're followers of Christ. We, we say we're children of God. But the, the issue is who's on the throne? If we're making daily decisions without God's involvement, do we really think that we are wise enough, wiser than God? Do we think we're strong enough that we don't need heaven's involvement in our situation? See, the fact is, is that we got some messed up thinking. We're under the impression that we can handle this. This is just life. This is my life. It's not that big a deal. I can go through life. Man, we are missing out on some awesome 
influence, some awesome power, some awesome wisdom, some awesome strength, some awesome ability. When God puts his ability on your ability, oh, he, he gave you your ability, so there's a purpose for your strength. Ephesians 6 says, finally, brethren, be strong. So strength is actually a commandment. God wants you strong, but he still wants to put his strength on top of your strength. Oh, hear me. We're under the impression that when we get strong enough, we just get out there and get her done. But you still can't do what God's called you to do in your own strength. Now, you, you, might, you might have a little, little happy in your world, but when God shows up, happy grows up. And now nothing... I mean, think about it. Think about some of the stuff that we've read and, and uh, that's in that word of God there that we hold in our hand. Think, think about these statements that I am ready for anything and equal to everything which comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength. These guys had some stuff now. They, they had had a, a connection with God that had changed them from the inside out because he recognized that it was through the strength that was, he was infused with that empowered him for anything. Man, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to get up one day and say, I'm ready for anything and equal to everything that comes my way through Christ who's infusing me with an inner strength? Man, there, there ain't, you know, I mean, let's, let's bring it right down here and put it where the rubber meets the road. He said, there ain't nothing that's going to mess up my day. There's there nothing going to change my attitude because I know about the strength that God has infused me with. Now, I've got my ability, but he just put his ability on top of my ability. And because of his ability, there ain't nothing that can stop me today. You see, the enemy has us convinced and we live as if our ability is good enough. Well, come on now, think. I mean, I got to tell you, there are certain things that you're just strong. You know, you, you've got strength. You've got wisdom. You've got insight. You, you, you have a ability in your life that God has blessed you with. And it's almost as if, if, if we don't really open up our mind and our heart and, uh, and get uh, God in there moving, we're going to go through this life with just doing it on our own. That's not undone. That's done. See, the problem with this is that we're not undone, we're done. Because on our, on our own, there's no more to expect. We're not looking for the miraculous because we've tried that. And see, the problem is, is we tried the miraculous. We, we, we thought if we did what we could, something awesome would happen. Man, that's done. That ain't undone. Undone is when you walk into the presence of God and you realize with all my strength, with all my ability, with all my talent, with all my skill, with all my wisdom, with all my power, that's going to be my offering because I can't get nothing done on my own. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be undone. <laughs> undone, not finished yet. Look at this, Second Samuel chapter 6. While we get ready to go here, I, I just want to, uh, I, I want to point out that, just remind you of what's happening here. Remember, the wrong people have the right stuff, but it was in the wrong place, and the results weren't right either. The Philistines have the ark. Remember, when, wherever the ark was, when, when the people of God had the ark, they, they, they were winning. The ark represented the presence, right, the anointing. And when, when they had it, they, they couldn't be beaten, but then the Philistines stole it. 
And they were the wrong people with the right thing in the wrong place, and they weren't getting the right results. If you read your Bible, you remember that they had the presence of God, and they ended up with, well, King James says they had hemorrhoids, right? And uh, how many of you know that's probably not good? But when God's people, when the right people had the right thing in the right place doing the right stuff, they had the right result. Well, David decides it's time to go get the ark, right? And so now we've got the right people getting the right thing, but they're still getting the wrong results. And again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel. Everybody say chosen. You realize David was chosen of God uh, for a specific purpose. You were chosen of God. You understand that? You're chosen of God. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You're chosen you're chosen of God. I, I, don't think that, I don't think that a lot of us really grasp the reality of what that means. We, we've been chosen by God for a specific purpose. You've been wired. Your, your DNA is, is, is specific. It's unique. You're chosen by God. Remember Mary when the Bible says that she was chosen of God. You, you know, there's two sides to that thing. The fact that you were chosen means that... The, there was another, but he chose you over the other. There is something about Mary that caused him to choose her, but there were others in the running. But when the final selection came, she was the chosen one to carry that child. In your world, there, there were others he could have used, but he decided to use you for the specific purpose and d destiny that he had created you for. You, you, you are chosen of God. And it says... He arose and went with the people who are with him. There are others around you that God has chosen to connect you to. It is not like you're on your own. Psalms 118, the Lord is on my side. It don't mean he's on your team. It means he's right here on your side. He's going through life with you. Remember Micah 6, 8, he's shown you a man what is good, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. You're walking with God. Come on, guys. You're, you're on a walk with God. You're not on your own. And if God is involved in your world and he's connecting you to people that he has chosen to assist you and for you to assist, don't you think we ought to hook up to his plan? The, the, it, because they're chosen, they've got a specific purpose and there's something God wants you to do and it's going to take his involvement in your world to get that done. It's good to know I'm chosen. And it's good to know that God has chosen others to connect to my life and, and for me to connect to because I realize that God's got a plan, right? God's got a purpose. And if I can link up with God and his plan, his purpose, nothing, nothing. You know, Luke 10, 19, we, we, we need to learn that scripture, that he has given us authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Man, hear me. When you are on track with destiny, you are invincible. Hello, somebody. You're look, at, look at somebody close to you and say, you're chosen. He arose and went with all the people who were with him. And uh, they went to bring up the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord, who sits enthroned above the cherubim. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah, and I, I always get confused with his name. I want to say Ohio. And it's not. So we'll just say A. Uh, the sons of Abinadab drove the new cart. They're bringing up the thing here. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill in the ark of God, and went before the ark. 
And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord with their guitars and their portable drum sets, and they had tambourines and cymbals, and they're coming out of there, they're excited. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled and shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled upon Uzzah, and God smote him there for touching the ark, and he died. Wrong result. Wrong wrong result, guys. You get this. Now, we might have a tendency to be a little bit intimidated by the presence of God because one nation got hemorrhoids and the next dude that touched it fell over dead. So, uh, you know, there's something going on here. Well, the wrong people with the right thing will always get the wrong result. But when the right people with the right stuff get the wrong result, they don't need to look at what they've got. They need to look at who they are. And if you're the right guy, chosen of God, you got the right stuff, but you get the wrong results. You, you don't look at God, you look at you. You know, what's the deal? Uzzah, his name means strength. And he reaches up in his own strength to stabilize the anointing and the presence of God. And obviously, you gotta, you got to realize that God knows Uzzah a little bit better than this one incident. Here's a guy who has a position, who has a role in life, who has authority, he, 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 and he has an ego that's a little bit bigger than his recognition of his need of God. He's operating in his own strength, and it kills him. We've got several instances where the presence of God shows up and people, one way or the other, become undone. I don't want to be like Uzzah. I don't want to be dead. Hello? I don't want to be like King Uzziah. I don't want to have to die before anybody can see God show up. You know the story here. They, they take the ark out, and, and David's pretty upset. He runs it out to uh, Obed-Edom's house, and then they, they start hearing about the blessing of Obed-Edom's house. And they go back to get it and drop down about verse 16, I think. Let's jump there. The ark of the Lord came into the city of David and they're bringing it in and they're dancing before God. And Michael, Saul's daughter, David's wife, looked out the window and saw the king leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Verse 18, 17, sorry. And they go back to 17. I'm just messing you up. They brought the ark of the Lord in and set it in its place inside the tent, which they had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And in verse 18, uh, when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and in the presence of the host. And he heads to his house, distributed among the people. Uh, you know, they gave him food and to eat and then each to his own house. And in verse 20, David returned to bless his household. And his wife, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today who stripped himself of his kingly robes and uncovered himself in the eyes of his servants' maids as one of the worthless fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. How, how glorious were you today? See, we've got another, another instance, another attitude, another insight to somebody who is near the presence of God. She's looking through a window and see, remember David's coming in. He's taking off his kingly robe and he's just down there with everybody else. And, 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 and the Bible says that they'd take six paces and they'd stop and they'd offer a sacrifice and then they'd rejoice and then they'd pick it back up and they'd start moving. In. They're pretty excited about the presence of God coming back to town. But Michael, David's wife, she's looking through the window and she's pretty ticked off that David would act that way because of that box. And she just don't get it. 
She, she just don't get it. And you know what? She reminds me of a lot of the church who when the presence of God shows up and other people are rejoicing and connecting and celebrating, they're sitting there with this weird look on their face and they just don't get it. Man, how glorious do you all look when you take off your robe and become just like a common fellow out there? You, you look crazy. See, the problem here, th this is the picture that I want us to see, is that, and you've got to understand something, God's bringing his presence back into your world. Oh, hear me. In order for God to do what he wants to do, he's got to connect you to his presence. It's got to happen. Because you can't do what God's called and created you to do on your own. Okay, are you with me? You can't get it done in your own strength. You're not going to succeed in life, not fully. You're not, you, you know what? There, well, well, there's people out there that don't serve God and they live in big houses. Yeah, so what? There are people who, who don't have God in their life and they, they, they look pretty happy to me for now. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but at the end, it ain't looking so hot. God needs to connect you to his presence to empower you for his purpose. Now, he don't need to connect you to his presence so that you get goosebumps and fall on the floor and, and uh, you know, and feel good. I mean, that, that might be a byproduct of his presence in your world, but that's not the end result that he's trying to get. He's trying to empower you so that when you get to where you're going, you got what you need to do what he created you to do. You, you might lay carpet for a living, but trust me, the purpose of God in your world goes way beyond laying carpet. That as God, as God is connecting you to others, oh man, you're changing, the, you're changing some stuff in their world. You know, sometimes we think about our life as just our life, right? You know, just for a minute, picture in your mind a string that just comes right through the wall and goes right across the room, keeps on going, and it just goes forever, and that string is eternity, Okay, that, that just goes forever. Your life is, is like a, a little bump in that string, right? You, you just a dot on the string because in eternity, your life and your lifetime is it's, it's just, just a dot. But what we have a tendency to do is focus upon that dot. And what we need to start doing is look at the string. Yeah. I, I got to live my life in, in accordance to the string, not just to the dot. Because what God's going to do in my life ain't going to be just about that dot, but it's going to be about eternity. Hello? That as we're here today and we're sowing seed into your world and that seed, it maybe, maybe ain't going to do much in your world, but someday it's going to do something through you that does something in somebody else's. In, hello? Your, your life is making a difference way beyond what you think it is. Way after your football career ended in sixth grade, you, you, you went on through life. Some, you know, some of us, we act as if those are the most important things in the world and, and they mean nothing. And it's crazy that the enemy, if he can, he'll get you so focused upon that, which doesn't matter that the things that really do, you miss your ability to be effective in. He got, God's doing something in your world. He's got to connect his presence to your life. Has to do it. You're going you're gonna to have one of, of just a few reactions and responses to his presence. One is going to kill you. Two, they're going to have to kill you to see God. Or three, you're going to be like Michael. Four, you're going to be like David, who's, who's connected to it, who's dancing, who strips himself of his authority, his robe. He, he just gets out there just like everybody else, realizes I'm just a man, and I, but I got the presence of God in my life. 
Or you can be like Michael, who's living life on the wrong side of the window. And see, what happens is a lot of us, we're on the wrong side of the window. Here God comes and he's trying to move in our life. And, and we're looking out there and we see the people who are, who are engaging with the presence of God. And our mind goes to every mistake that we know that they've ever made. And we begin to, to put them in a position somewhere in our mind. We begin to literally to judge them and say, well, I, I know a lot of stuff about that guy. You don't know how many times I've had people say different things to me and they just think they're filled with wisdom and really it's just stupidity on the rampage as they, as they voice out what was wrong with that person. I know that guy. That, that guy's a flake. That guy's doing everything he can to get connected to the presence of God. Where are you at? Is it all right if I'm pastoral every now and then? <laughs> we can't afford to live life on the wrong side of the window. Looking through the window, despising everybody that's connected to the presence of God. Well, because we, we, know, we know some things that everybody else doesn't know. No, you don't. We think wrong. We think wrong. When we think wrong, we see wrong. When we see wrong, we live wrong. What we need to repent from is the sin of indifference. That the string doesn't really matter to us that we are focused on the dot. And we're afraid that if we connected to God, somebody would look at us and think that there was something wrong with us. Well, not everybody's like you, judging everybody else. See, the fact of the matter is, is that the reason that you're afraid to connect to the presence of God is because you've judged those who already have. Boy, this kind of hurts a little bit, don't it? Okay, we're making a tape for people who aren't here. <laughs> Let me share some things that happen when you're on the wrong side of the window. When you're on the wrong side of the window, number one, you can't hear the music. You don't get it. You look out there and you see people responding in whatever way they respond. And something inside of you just is like, it's blank. It's just, what's that? Man, I... Sure glad I'm not like that. Sure, sure glad I don't act that way. Sure glad I'm, I'm more refined and sophisticated than those people. But yet there is no manifestation, there is no proof of God in your life. Don't you think we ought to change that? You know, don't, don't, don't you think that the people of God ought to be able to demonstrate the fruit that being connected to God can produce. Now, I've got to tell you something. You, you know, this is my job, right? And I, every day, I've got to reconnect to the presence of God. If I'm not careful, by 10 o'clock Monday a.m., I'm not operating under the influence of God's presence. I'm operating under Tom. And there's this huge difference. Believe it or not. I start getting Tom results. It don't take me long to figure it out. But you know what's crazy is sometimes I still, I, I would rather hide the fact that that's Tom result and blame it on a devil or something than to realize or admit that, wait a minute, I'm being disconnected from the presence of God by the choices that I'm making. Remember, there's only one thing that can separate you from the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose and promise, and that's time, right? 
See, time can be collapsed by the anointing or time can collapse you because it's so annoying. Okay, time can crush you or you can take the anointing and crush time. If you will stay in God's presence, oh, you're going to get some stuff done on that little dot that affects the entire line. But if you try to do it on your own, all you got is a little dot that's just a not in the line. What I want to do is be so empowered by God's presence and spirit in my life that every moment of every day, his power is going out of my life. Even in areas I don't understand, I just want to surrender. I want to be undone so that God can flow through my life. I want to make sure I'm living on the right side of the window. See, when you're on the wrong side of the window, you're looking out there and you swear there's something wrong with everybody else. But it ain't everybody else. It'd be you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's me. Don't you dare look at him and say, it's you. <laughs> this is not a good time to start pointing. Fingers. I knew it. There he is on the front row with a target on his shirt, wondering how come everybody's attracted to me. It's the target. It's you. When you're on the wrong side of the window, you can't hear the music and you can't feel the rhythm. Man, there's some stuff happening in the presence of God. There are incredibly wonderful, marvelous things happening all over the world today. And a lot of us act as if God has withdrawn himself completely. No, he didn't withdraw himself. We withdrew ourselves. God's on the move, guys. I said he's on the move. But he can only move where people will allow him to. He, he can, he's only involved in areas where people have made the way ready. Remember, the, I think the Bible, I think it's Bible. I think it says, prepare ye the way for the Lord. Well, if you ain't prepared no way, if all you got is a little teeny trail for, for, for you know, one footman to w make their way into your little cabin, well, then that's all you get. But if you built a highway so that, that you know, a semi can come in there, now you're going to get a little bit more from God because you've prepared a bigger way. Prepare the way. Make room for God in your life. See, if you're on the wrong side of the window, you, you can't hear the music, you can't feel the rhythm, and you, you can't even find the notes. Your life is discord to what God's got going on in the spiritual realm and in the heavens. And, and, and you know, it, it, when we're talking about the spiritual realm, please don't get all ooky spooky. You start talking about spiritual things and people, you know, they're looking for angels' feathers to be floating through the air. Man, it is to be in agreement with God. Just be in agreement with God, in harmony with God. See, start it off by telling you God's got your future in front of you and he's trying to draw you into it. And he's not using your past to beat you up, but, but your past has some things in it that probably need to be dealt with. There's probably some things back there that, that, that hinder you. It, God's not holding it against you, but the fact of the matter is, is you still got to get set free. Right. Yeah. Isaiah 59, let me just read this to you. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened at all that it cannot save. It's not like God can't reach you. Of course God can reach into your situation. 
I know the enemy would like you to think that you're just so far gone that God can't even get to you. I got news for you. God can reach you. And it's not as if God is deaf or his ear is dull that it cannot hear. God can hear you. God can reach you and God can hear you. But listen to verse 2. But it's your iniquities. You have made a separation between you and your God. It's, it's the choices that you've made that have taken you out of agreement with God. Remember Amos 3.3? 3, 3? How can two walk together except they be agreed? We're supposed to be on a walk with God, but you can only walk with God if you agree with God. See, we've, we've tried to take the word of God and wrap it around our life instead of taking our life and wrapping it around the word of God. We're under the impression that because we think a certain way that God should, you know, just operate that way. God operates his way. And we've got attitudes and, and, and opinions that are wrong. I know that's hard for us to admit, but we're wrong. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show you great and mighty things. Amplified Bible says hidden things, secret things, fenced in things. God has things that he would love to share with you. But why don't we call? Because we don't think we need his help. We're under the impression we know everything. We're under the impression that our opinion is correct. If it doesn't happen my way, then I have the right to have an attitude because I'm always right. No, God's always right. And God, God's telling you to love your enemy and pray for those who despise you and hurt you and, and, and to walk in forgiveness. And, and you're trying to point out, well, the reason that I have this, he don't care about the reason. All, you, you know, your excuse is a reason, skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. It's just an excuse. We're supposed to be right with God, but the problem is, is that we're wrong with God, but we feel good about it. And now we don't see the supernatural involvement of a God that's alive. We, we've got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that in dwelling inside of us, we can't prove it because we're angry, we're hurt, we're upset. We, we, our, our attitudes are, are, are totally out of alignment with the word of God. But see, here's our sin. So we don't really care. Some of us are going to sit here today and in 15 minutes or so, we're going to get up and we're going to walk out the door and we ain't going to change nothing. Well, I encourage you to come back. <laughs> My dad, he had a job one time. He was, uh, he was a prize fighter, worked in the woods, stay in shape. He got a job crushing rock. And they handed him a sledgehammer. They didn't have some of the equipment we have today. They handed him a sledgehammer, and he'd get up on top of these rocks. They were the size of a Volkswagen Beetle, and he'd start hitting them. And they, they, taught, they taught him how to hit the rock with the sledgehammer so that the debris would fly away from his face rather than right back into his eyes. And they had this instruction. If it doesn't break, hit it again. And he said eventually... After hitting a rock the size of a Volkswagen Beetle, he'd be on top. Eventually, he said, sometimes it was just in a few hits and sometimes it's after a day. But at some point, it was like the splitting of a watermelon. The thing would just fall apart and be in two pieces. Now we can go and start bringing it down again. So today, if you get up and walk out of here, just realize you come back next week, I'm going to hit you again. 
And so, someday you're going to split open and you're going you're, you're to let the presence of God come get involved in your world. Okay? I'm just going to keep hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. Uh, are you ever going to be nice? Probably not. Uh, Shelby's the nice one. Hang with her. Okay? She, we balance each other out. We need God's presence. We need to start caring that we make a stand. You know, you know, we do not want to be a people who make a stand in a city and we say we have intimate relationship with God and nobody in our world believes us because we ain't got nothing more than a T-shirt and a bumper sticker. God wants to manifest his glory. He wants to put in your hand proof that you're connected to a living God. Well, how are we going to get it? Well, can't God just do whatever he wants? No. He put you in control. You have dominion. You have authority. And it is your choices and your attitudes and your mentalities that have separated you from God. So you're crying out, but, and he can't even answer you because of the stand that you've taken that's in total disagreement to his word. You hear me? I need you to understand that God is passionate about showing up in your world. But he needs you to move from the wrong side of the window to the right side of the tracks. Oh, in the spirit, if you close your eyes and just listen to today, you'd hear beep, 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 beep. He said, what's that? That's the Holy Ghost U-Haul backing up to load up your stuff to move you to the right side of the window. He come to get you today. Hey, listen, if, if, you, if you let go of some of those things that you've held on to, you try and prove you're right, and at the end of the day, nobody cares. Trying to prove you were right, that you should have won that argument. You should have got that promotion. You, you should have been blessed when those people were. Or above. If you move from that, if, that stuff, if you move from there, his presence is going to come get on your life like you had never seen before. He wants to empower you to bless you. Oh, hear me. God wants to bless you. Remember, the blessing is not a car, it's not a truck, it's not a deposit slip. It, it, the, the blessing is the empowerment to win or succeed in any given situation. A few years ago, some people in, in Shelby and I, in, our, in our world, some friends of ours, they came to the house. We were getting ready to leave town. Under, under the impression we were moving, they came to our house and uh, uh, for lunch. He pastors a church in Pasco. Fernando Alvarez and his wife Jamie, they came to our home and, and for lunch and he said, uh, uh, God spoke to me about you. And I went, well, good. Do whatever he told you to do. He said, no, he gave me a word for you. And, my, and i got to be honest, my first thought was, sure he did. I've been, I've been in this thing my entire life. I've had thousands of words that people say, God told me to tell you this. And Normally, if God wants to tell me something, he tells me. You know, 99.78% of the time, I've, done, I've studied it out. It's right. 99.87% of the time when somebody comes to me and says, God told me to tell you this, it ain't God. Well, I'm on talking terms with God. Sometimes he'll use somebody else to confirm what he said, but... Uh, you know, like when you think the music is too loud and you come and tell me, uh, God told me to tell you. No, he didn't. 
God told me to tell you to wear earplugs. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just, just, just to be transparent, when he came to my house and said, God told me to tell you, I'm like, yeah, whatever, hurry up, let's eat. And, uh, but he said, but no, hear me, God, God told me that you're going to start a church in Tri-Cities. And I'm to offer you my church to start your church. And if you want, I will rearrange my Sunday morning schedule. If you want to have your church at 9, then we'll just change ours. We'll do ours in the afternoon. Whatever you need. Well, guys, I don't know if you get this, but when a pastor says, God told me that you're going to start a church and I'm supposed to change my church so that you can have your church in my church. Okay, that's God. So, so Fernando and Jamie hold a pretty, pretty special place in our heart. Last week, Fernando called me up. He wanted to come by. He said, I had a dream. I went, oh, God. <laughs> he showed up. He said, I had a dream. And just the other day, Jamie's brother died. And in his dream, they're going to the funeral. And he said, we pulled up to the place where the funeral was. And the funeral was off to the right. And, and there was another gathering off to the left. And when I got out of the car, there's something about the gathering to the left that, that drew me. And so he said, so I just said across the car to Jamie, I'll be with you in a minute. And he said, I took off towards the left, and he said, I got up on a little rise where I could see down in there. And he said, and it was obvious that it was a Christian gathering. He said, that's what drew me. The, the sounds were familiar. And, and he said, but I, I got up there, and, and, and he said, up on top of the hill, I'm looking down. And he said, and there's this large, he said, just a big, massive people, and they were singing and celebrating. There'd be times where they were clapping their hands and shouting. And, 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 and he said, and I looked down there, and he said, and Tom, right in the middle of it, there you were. He said, so I headed down the hill to come see what you were doing. And he said, I'm literally uh, moving people. Excuse me, excuse me. I'm his friend. Excuse me. And he said, as I got closer, he said, I realized that people were wet. Some of them was just above their feet. Some of them was up to their knees. He said, most people, it was up over their waist. There was all this water. They, they, they were just wet. And, and, he, and he said, and I got, I got down to you. And, and, uh, uh, and I said, uh, what are you doing? And you, you said, we're laying the foundation of our church. And he said, I looked and there were giant cranes and they were setting huge boulders. And when they would drop them to the ground, the water would splash. And he said, I looked at you and said, you're doing what? <laughs> he said, Tom, you said, we're setting the foundation of our church. And he said, and another boulder would hit and water would splash and people would clap and shout and they'd break out into another song. And he said, I looked at you, Tom, and I said, are you sure this is a good place to do this? It doesn't seem right to do this in the water. He said, you just kept going. And said, finally, I, he said, I, I asked you again, Tom, are you sure this is right? And he said, you just looked at me and said, haven't you ever read Psalm 1? And you just went back to what you were doing. And people would clap and they'd set another boulder and people would shout and they'd go and sing. And he said, and finally, he said, I stopped you again. I said, Tom, it doesn't seem right. That, that you would build on the water. And he said, finally, he said, it's like you looked right into my eyes and you said the water, he said, we're not building in the water. The water's coming. The river's flowing out of the church. The presence of God, the river of life-giving water flowing out of your life. God needs to connect you. Proof. That you live where the water's at. Proof. You got a river of life flowing out of you. Proof. 
proof to a society that's dying of thirst that we have the real answer. We don't just have some religious ceremonial routine we go through. No, we got, we got the presence of God in our life. We've connected. We're not willing to be wrong with God and feel good about it. We, we want to be right with God even if it hurts. Are you hearing me? Sometimes it's uncomfortable to say, okay, I will be undone. Sometimes it doesn't feel good to say, I'm going to let that issue go. I'm going to let forgiveness roll over there. I'm going to live like God wants me to, not like I want to. It's uncomfortable. It hurts. The first thing we got to get over is that indifference. You know, the Bible says that Jesus wept over a city. We have family and friends who are on their way to hell and we really don't care. We have a community that surrounds us, that's suffering. We don't care. When we get really spiritual, really pressing in, what we're looking for is my healing and my blessing and my increase and my joy and my peace. And we don't care that everybody around us is in desperate need. And that what God wants to put in your life will always be more than enough. So if you decide to be a carrier of forgiveness, there'll be enough to get you forgiven on the way. If you decide to be a carrier of healing, you'll, you'll be healed as you go forth because he'll give you more than you need, enough to flow out of you into suffering humanity. That in order for us to do what God's called us to do, you've got to understand, it would be so easy, it's so easy to erect a facility and draw masses of people. It is so easy. It's another thing. To be connected with his presence in a manner that you can do what God's actually called you to do. Guys, there's a difference. There's a big difference. Of being so right with God that his will is accomplished in our life. And in this community, God can do through us the very thing that he has chosen us to do. God wants to heal and restore his people. And I got a question for you. Do you have the ability to come to God and say, okay, I'm willing to be undone. I'm willing for you to disrobe me in your presence. I'll take my position and set it aside. I'll take my attitudes and lay them at the foot of the cross. I'll, I'll take my mentality and all, all my aspiration and I'll, I'll set it down here and, and I'll let you be God in my life. Do you have what it takes to do that? Do we have the ability to say, okay, we need to repent. We've lived as if we don't care. But God, we're willing to be taught to care. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want the team to come back. Receiving all blessings and promises of God are a lifetime pursuit. He's looking at the last chapters. But let's just end with this last principle. The seventh principle of possession. 
Uh, we're going to spend the next few Sundays in 19. We're not going to cover. It's just more of the inheritance.